Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. We always say it, we always mean it, and we think it's true. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Oh, my, getting a little technical here. I have a quote from a man named Pete Lachlan at Supply Chain Finance. This is from an article he wrote on July 11, 2012. Okay, it's five years old, but I think it still applies. Here we go. He said, when you calculate the scale of costs that leak from the supply chain. It reveals astonishing waste. A couple of key words in there. Well, of course, supply chain. That's the series we're on today here at Game Changers Radio and the word leak. We're going to explain that. Let me give you an analogy to real life, okay? Okay, you bought a house a few years ago, maybe many years ago. You had a family. You had great hopes and dreams for the family and everything is going great. Your family has grown and now you're faced with what to do about the house. You need to add some space. You need to upgrade maybe the room the appliances, the facilities, whatever you've got. Or maybe you should buy a new house because your family's lifestyle has changed. You also want to increase your home value. So let's stop with that home analogy, the hearth side analogy. Let's talk about supply chain. In the digital age, in the supply chain, you've got software. It's running things for you, operations. When did you implement that software? What was it supposed to do at that time? Look at today. Does it fit your business needs? Is it keeping production moving efficiently? Is it helping your supply chain hum along so you can deliver the goods wherever they're going and keep your customers and their customers happy? That's a lot to contemplate. Here's the new bottom line. Efficient digital transformation is a crucial factor in expanding your business and meeting marketplace demands and maybe even more important, competitive demands. Who is encroaching? Who are the new players in your field, in your industry? We have a panel of three experts to help us tackle this. The topic, in case you haven't guessed, is stopping value leakage, digital transformation for your supply chain. In just a moment, I'll be introducing you to Dr. Heiko Hecht, co-founder of IBIS, IBIS America LLC. He's responsible for for finance, operations, and personnel. Joining him on the panel is Dirk Lonser, L-O-N-S-E-R. He's the SAP Go-To-Market Director and Client Principal for Large Global Key Accounts, that's a long title, at DXC Technology, and he'll tell us what they do, and as well, Heiko will tell us what he does at IBIS. And rounding out the panel is a guest who's been on with us before, delighted to have back Wendy Wilson. She's a solution advisor for supply chain management at SAP. And a shout out to Suzanne Ellis and Shane Ellis for, and Wendy for putting together this topic in this panel. So Heiko Hecht has sent me a quote from Sherlock Holmes. You may have heard this before. It may shock you that it actually came from the character Sherlock Holmes. It sounds so modern. By the way, if you're somewhere under a rock, Sherlock Holmes is a fictional private detective created by British author Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. He was a consulting detective in many, many stories. There were movies about him, all kinds of books about him. And if you're too young to remember Sherlock Holmes, oh my, look him up. Here's the quote. Data, data, data. I can't make bricks without clay. 
Dr. Heiko Hecht, welcome. How are you? I'm very good, Bonnie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I love this quote. I've heard it before, Heiko. I never can believe that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote this because, excuse me, back in the day in the 1800s, I didn't know they were thinking about data. They even knew what it was, but maybe they did. So talk to me about how this quote relates to our topic, supply chain, value leakage. Go ahead, Heiko. Absolutely. Uh, Similar, you know, I was surprised about that quote, too. I mean, it uh, it applies very much uh, to today's topic. Um, you know, value leakage, supply, ch- supply chain, we need to make decisions, we need to make them faster, and um, it relates, you know, to implementing supply chain software, uh, making the right decisions, have the right um, um, data at our hands uh, to, to implement software adequately, and then obviously, you know, um, supply chain is uh, not necessarily, you know, um, everything about software and IT, uh, I mean, in the end, you know, we want to produce goods, we want to deliver them, um, mm-hmm. and the, we want to, uh, you know, deliver the right goods um, fast to our customers. So um, supply chain also requires a lot of data um, to get the right components and, um, you know, uh, get to the right demands to the customer and um, satisfy uh, their needs. I have a question for you, Heiko. Thank you for that. Whose job is it to make these decisions? Whose job is it to say, wait a minute, we're having some serious value leakage here, going back to my opening quote from Pete Lachlan in Supply Chain Finance. Whose job is it? Is there a chief supply chain overseer overlord? Is this something that goes up to the CFO? Is this something that goes to production managers? Whose job is it to sit down and say, wait a minute, we have a problem here? Heiko? Well, I think, you know, it, uh, it goes to all um, the people involved in the process. Um, you know, the CFO definitely has a say in it, um, you know, because he has the financial background and, and he sees the results uh, um, of our processes. Um, I, I think, you know, it is, um, you know, about um, listening, you know, to all the people involved in the supply chain. And that starts really at, at, the, at the bottom, you know, the people on the shop floor, um, you know, maybe in the distribution center. Um, they work there every day, you know, um, somebody in the management area might not see those issues and they, you know, might not be um, come to that level. So all people involved, um, you know, see the process. And if you deal with them on a day-by-day basis, you know, you, you, you definitely have empathy, you know, for the problems <coughs> and, and your coworkers and, and, you know, you should communicate them um, um, to, to your peers and, um, you know, to your managers. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you, Heiko. We have a lot more to hear from you later in the show. And now I'm going to introduce our second panelist, Dirk Lanzer at DXC Technology. And Dirk has sent us a quote from Albert Einstein. I think uh, Albert Einstein is coming back, a resurgence of quotes about him. We used to have him quoted, excuse me, on almost every show. And now it's almost twice a week, I think. So everybody's paying attention to him, that wonderful guy with the great hairdo. Uh, Albert Einstein, 1879 to 1955, German born theoretical physicist. He, let's see, he's best known by the general public for his mass energy equivalency formula. You all know this E equals MC squared, and he received the 1921 Nobel Prize in Physics. Oh, my. And his equation, by the way, is considered the world's most famous equation. Here's the quote Dirk has selected. We can't solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. I know there are many variations on that quote, Dirk, but this is the one I found. So, Dirk, welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you today? 
I'm fine, Bonnie. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Talk to me about the quotes. Same level of thinking that created them. Uh, sounds yeah. like uh, it's yeah. time to, to look creatively at, at new solutions. What do you think for supply chain? So, so if, I, if I think back, just uh, to tell you a story, when I, think, when I think back when I was younger, a teenager, um, the movie industry was producing movies. They were shown in the movie theaters, obviously, and then I know many, many months later, they came into the video store so you could go and rent them as a VHS mm-hmm. tape. And the next step in the evolution was, um, I mean, going away from VHS, it went to DVD, and everybody thought the next step would be something better quality, like a Blu-ray, etc. So, and then the small video stores, they got... Um, they get they change from small video stores to to larger change like Blockbuster, et cetera, et cetera. But none of these stores saw really the internet coming. No, none of mm-hmm. them saw what happened with Amazon or Netflix. They came in, used the internet, and basically made these video stores obsolete. And um, this is what I mean. Everybody thought about what the next step from VHS is the DVD. It goes up to the Blu-ray and maybe something different. But nobody saw the internet coming out of a totally uh, different direction in their blind spot. And so this industry got disrupted. And a lot of uh, these companies or these uh, stores are not there anymore. And uh, hence, my, my thought was, okay, you need to think differently about the digital transformation. It's not linear anymore. In the hotel industry, we, we see Airbnb where people are renting out spaces and houses instead of saying, go to a big hotel chain, come here, we'll, we'll be your host, we'll take good care of you. Thinking of transportation, we've seen Uber make huge changes and an impact on taxi medallion owners and drivers and disrupting sometimes in a good, sometimes in a not so good way. So, yes, I, I appreciate what you said about the, uh, the DVD, the, the tape industry. Do you still have videotapes? In a closet somewhere, I, Dirk? I do not. No, I do not. <laughs> I, well, actually, that's wrong. I still have some VHS tapes, but I don't have a player. Yes. <laughs> Well, I have to tell you, I've, I've been a cable TV producer and host for 22 years now in, in the local cable station here, and uh, I've seen quite a change. I started out producing my shows on three-quarter inch tapes, and you may be shocked, you may be dismayed to know that I actually own a three-quarter inch tape player I bought from somebody in the early days of the internet. Somebody had one online, and they came and installed it for me, so I've got that clunker here, uh, but oh, wow. then we moved from three-quarter to half-inch. Then we moved to Super VHS, then we moved to Mini DVs for our masters, then we moved to DVDs, and now I upload all my shows from a hard drive to the internet on a Vimeo channel. So I have paralleled, I have seen that change. Are you uh, surprised by all of that, Dirk? Uh, I'm not. I'm surprised by the different technologies which were used. I was only aware of uh, VHS and better system. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, an entertainment industry specialist, so hence, no, I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Dirk. Pleasure to meet you. And Wendy Wilson is waiting patiently in the wing. She has brought us a quote from Nikola Tesla, uh, 1856 to 1943, Serbian-American inventor, electrical engineer, mechanical engineer, physicist, and a futurist. Wendy, can you believe back in the day he was actually called a futurist? And he's best known for his contributions to the design of the modern 
alternating current AC electric electricity supply system. And he had many, many ideas, but interestingly enough, he was called the archetypal mad scientist. And uh, he died in New York City in 1943 and became very obscure until there was a resurgence in his work in the 1990s. Here is the quote Wendy has selected. This is an interesting one. Great moments are born great opportunity. Wendy Wilson, how have you been? Great. Thank you for having me back. I'm really excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Talk to me about Tesla, supply chain, this quote, fascinating quote. Can you interpret it for us, please, on today's topic? Sure. So what this means to me for today's topic is, you know, we're in this point now with the digital transformation that is looming in the future. And a lot of people don't know really what that means to to them and their businesses and, and what that change is going to be, just like Dirk was talking about. Like, how do you foresee what those changes are that you need to do for your business? Um, and so as we're on that journey and, and moving towards that change, here's some huge opportunity to also look back at your business as you're going on your digital transformation and really start to understand and fix things that maybe you didn't have time to fix, like your business processes and your data quality and, um, you know, where the, the, the company is going from a um, understanding of your demand sensing and your forecasting and, and your quality that you're providing to your customers and really revisit that and push back on the business and push back on yourself to help improve the quality and the output that you're giving to your customers and your competitiveness in your industry. And so because digital transformation is something that people need to do in order to remain competitive in their area, this opportunity for really improving their businesses and and really identifying and moving forward with these implementations and improving everything during these implementations is that opportunity that's being given to them now. And that's what that quote meant to me today. Thank you, Wendy. Question for you. I think I asked this to Heiko a few minutes ago. I I didn't ask Dirk, but I will. Whose job is it to say, wait a minute, the world is in the digital age. We're not. We have to transform. Is this a moment of awakening, Wendy, for people listening to the show and saying, what? We have to do something? How, How much of an awakening is this topic for our audience today? I think that the competitiveness is becoming a lot more um, transparent to people. Um, you know, companies are, you know, forecasting down to the micro pennies and um, we're, you know, we've already done all the lean manufacturing on the shop floors that we can do. So the next step is what, what do I do so that I'm in this um, predictive, analytic, Internet of Things type digital transformation so that I can remain relevant in, in today's competitive um, environment. And, um, you know, we see our CIOs and our CFOs in their, you know, annual and 10K reports committing to their, um, you know, their uh, stock owners of how they're going to improve their businesses and move that business to, to keep it relevant and, and competitive in today's world and, and deliver quality. And um, I, the, uh, the customer's demands are higher and they're more obvious and they're more um, immediate um, due to social media and a lot of, you know, obviously television and things like that. So you really do have to be on the ball and moving forward. So it's, um, it's, it's definitely becoming a big eye opener for a lot of our, you know, a lot of the businesses that are out there. 
Thank you very much, Wendy. Good overview, and thank you for bringing this interesting topic. And now let's circle back around the table to Dr. Heiko Hecht at Ibis America. And Heiko, I normally at this point say, where are you calling from and what are you drinking or what do you love to drink? But first, I like to know, what does IBIS America do? And is it pronounced Ibis? Talk to me. Yes, it's, uh, it's pronounced um, Ibis, um, like the uh, you know, Egyptian bird of wisdom. Uh-huh. And uh, the company was actually founded by a professor. And, you know, all of our server names and uh, computers used to have a Greek name, you know, like Zeus and uh, Heracles and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, IB stands for Institute of Business Information Systems. And, um, you know, it, that, uh, it, you know it's, uh, it's the same uh, acronym in, in German. And uh, we analyze um, systems, um, you know, standard software systems uh, for a living. We work in the application lifecycle management um, area. We work with a lot of customers and partners so they, you know, can implement um, software better um, or, or utilize it more efficient. Thank you very much. And now our key questions for this part of Up Close and Personal section of the show. Where are you calling from and what do you love to drink or what's in front of you right now, Heiko? Yeah, I'm calling in, you know, from the lovely Pocono Mountains here, um, um, you know, along Route I-80. And, um, yeah, you know, in front of me is a bottle of water, and uh, I put some in my class here, and, and I put uh, some magnesium in there because it will be a hot day, and I I'm, I'm think I'm going to need it. Very interesting. You're in the Poconos. I'm on Long Island, New York, so we're not that far away. I think if I lean out the window and wave really, really hard, you'll see the curly redhead. And can you wave back at me, please, Heiko? Can you do that? You know, I have a lot of trees here, but I can try, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Enjoy your water. That's what I'm drinking, too. And Dirk Lanzer, welcome back. Welcome again. And Dirk, where are you? What are you drinking? And Dirk, what does DXC Technology do, please? Yeah, thank you, Bonnie. So DXC Technology is a startup company. It was formed on April 1st or April 3rd of this year. And uh, it was created by the merge of uh, Computer Sciences Corporation, CSC, and the HPE's Professional Services Division, um, Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, Enterprise Services. So we are um, a large company. We are an an, uh, IT service provider, and um, we offer services, uh, everything related to digital and IT, delivering the new style of IT for our customers. Thank you very much. And where are you and what's in your cup today? So I'm dialing in from the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, in beautiful Double Oak, Texas. And um, I'm drinking sparkling water. And for the flavor, I use a little bit of lemonade in it. Ooh, that sounds good. Do you have a recipe? Is there a proportion of water to lemonade? Is it mostly one or the other or 50-50? What do you prefer? Yeah, that, that is an old family recipe. Unfortunately, I can't share it with you, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Dirk, uh, that was a good one. That was really a good one. You, you really, I think Wendy appreciated that too. I didn't see that one coming. Thank you very much. I will have to try it. Uh, I will mix it and I will think, hmm, would Dirk like this? Okay, no, a little bit. You put any sugar yeah. in it or is it au naturel? No. No, it's, it's au naturel, no sugar. 
Oh my, you are a trooper. I'm, I'm, I'm puckering my lips already from the, yes, that's why you put water in it. Thank you, Dirk. Pleasure to meet you. And Wendy Wilson. <laughs> Wendy, you've done this before. Uh, why don't you just quickly tell us a little bit about what you do in supply chain management at SAP and where are you right now and what do you love to drink? Great. Thank you. Um, so I work for our Center of Excellence um, for Digital Supply Chain, and I'm what's called a solution advisor. Um, and I also run something called the STAR program, the STAR Plus program at SAP. And what we do is we, um, I go out and I help customers understand what our different solutions are and how it fits into their business needs. And then I also um, run the STAR Plus program in partnership with IBIS and some of our other partners. Um, to go out and identify quantifiable ROI and um, and uh, true road mapping for our customers on their digital supply chain journey. Very um, interesting. Thank you. What are you drinking? You. What, what powers you, Wendy? You're a high energy type of person. I know that from speaking with you before. What powers <laughs> you in your cup? So um, normally I would tell you that I am having a diet um, soda, but at the moment I decided to try and get some natural energy. So I'm on a 90-day um, cleanse, and I oh am my. actually drinking water, and I took my charcoal pills this morning and my vitamin D. So <laughs> not that exciting today, unfortunately. Now, wait a minute. 90-day cleanse, nine zero. Yeah, yeah, I'd say um, I read this whole article about detoxing your system and I decided I was going to try it and try and get even more energy if that's possible. <laughs> that sounds like a transformation, not just not just a cleanse. That sounds like a whole new lifestyle. I, I have to share with the three of you a, a quick sidebar story here. I was reading, um, you know, you, you do searches on the Internet and all those funky little articles pop up at the bottom with provocative pictures and there are questions, you know, why does such and such do such and such or did you know this about so-and-so, a movie star? Well, one of them was... What do airline stewardesses, stewards, you know, the, the the staff on airplanes, what do they hate to pour when it's beverage time? And I think it's appropriate for me to bring this up now in this part of the show. And the answer was diet soda. Does anybody know why? No. There is no. something to do with the the formula for diet soda. I won't mention the brand. Uh, the, the theory is that when you're in the air, the bubbles are so strong that it takes them twice as long to pour a cup of diet soda in the air on the plane for a passenger as any other drink they would pour. And this has been debunked. Apparently, there's something to do with the combination of the chemicals in diet soda. I don't want to scare anybody off that even if you're on land, it's still bubbles up at many times the rate of a normal non-diet soda. So the answer was there's a certain way, and now they're giving the whole can to passengers so the passenger can struggle with the thing foaming up out of the cup. But apparently that's a drink that they don't like to pour because it takes longer and they have to do it very slowly so it doesn't overfill the cup. Did anybody hear that besides me? Maybe that's, that's interesting. Nope. Interesting. I, I don't I think it's... I simply asked for the whole can to begin with, but I didn't know I was doing the airline a favor with that. You certainly are. There you go. Thank you very much. So you can look it up. It's something about those bubbles. They just keep bubbling away. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. All I'm drinking today, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine, and you know why. All I'm drinking is cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw because I'm delighted that it's beautiful and sunny here in New York. We had enough rain last week, so nothing today, I hope. We are speaking with three experts in the supply chain field. Very pleased to have Dr. Heiko Hecht, co-founder of IBIS America LLC. 
LLC, the bird of wisdom, of the god of wisdom. Thank you, Dirk Lonzer at DXC Technology, new startup, and Wendy Wilson at Supply Chain Management at SAP. Our topic today is stopping value leakage, digital transformation for a supply chain. If you don't have any idea what this is, you haven't been listening, but we'll be explaining again after the break when we start our roundtable in earnest. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, however you're listening. This is important stuff. We'll be right back. Aaron out. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Rising customer expectations, complex supply networks, and a focus on your business's bottom line make it more important than ever to bring your extended supply chain into the future. Your digital supply chain is one of the most critical components of your business success. From matching supply to demand with efficient order fulfillment to designing and manufacturing amazing products, hear how you can bring your extended supply chain into the future. Our experts discuss how the extended supply chain of the future is producing dramatic results to businesses worldwide. The digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers. Presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers. Digital transformation. We're talking about stopping value leakage. We have Dr. Heiko Hecht at IBIS America, Dirk Lonzer at DXC Technology and Wendy Wilson at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. And now let's start our roundtable in earnest, as I like to say. I'm looking at the notes Dr. Heiko Heck sent me before the show. And here's where we're going to start the conversation. He wants to talk about outdated systems. And I quote Heiko, a lot of companies went live with software many years back. And although they upgraded to recent technical platforms, they still use a lot of old and outdated functionality from the original implementation. Software and business needs have changed since the setup. Heiko, please tell us more. Sounds good, yeah. I, now, I'm working in the software IT area since 94. Uh, and... Um, um, you know, we, we basically analyze uh, systems, um, how they're running, how they're configured, how they're used. 
And um, a lot of people might say, well, you know, digital transformation, I mean, you know, everything is digital already, you know, we're using software systems, we're exchanging information, we have EDI and, and whatever. Um, and, um, you know, I think there was a, a, a big wave of new implementations mid-end of the 90s. Um, and guess what? Yeah, that's already 20 years ago. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, how that goes, how fast it goes. Um, so the technology has changed, obviously, you know, um, but, but also requirements and business processes have changed. So I think, you know, we, we, we need to explain um, to our audience um, it's, it's not only digital transformation, it's actually digital business transformation because mm-hmm. uh, we don't only want to change, you know, software, hardware. Um, we want to change business processes. Um, and, um, you know, you only can do that um, if you know what's going on right now um, and see how efficiently um, things are going and then leverage new functionality to reach your goals. Thank you very much. Dirk, love to get your thoughts on old functionality, old software still sitting around. It may be chugging away, but is it good for the business and the supply chain? Dirk, what do you think? Yeah. So, so the the problem, a lot of these uh, software or IT systems have been implemented yeah, 20 plus years ago. And I think there are, a lot of companies have even older IT systems. Some of them have been upgraded. Majority of them have probably only done a um, a technical upgrade just to make sure you get the latest Java packages or whatnot. However, if the business process does not change, yeah, you have a hard time unlocking any value. And when you talk about uh, value creation, it's typically not the IT value. Obviously, there's cost, uh, cost savings involved, etc. But compared to the business value you can unlock from a new IT system, the IT savings are relatively small. Wendy, thoughts? Um, I would agree very much with both what Heiko and, and Dirk have said. You know, um, the um, keep the lights on and keep trucking along has been the, uh, the way that a lot of companies have been functioning because the, um, the upgrades can be difficult. Um, you know, the newer, uh, the newer uh, solutions that are out there now have um, standardized what they customized in the past but because they were doing technical upgrades and not functional upgrades, um, they didn't take a look at the new functional capabilities that would better fit their business models. Um, and so they're, they're still really, really actually using much older technology than what they think they are because they think they're on the newer upgrades of a lot of these uh, solutions that they're using. Wendy, is this a question of being lazy? Is this a question of being too busy managing other parts of the business? Why is this? Is it, well, we paid for it, it's here, we don't want to go through another major overhaul of our software? What, what's the reason for this? I think there's a couple things. Um, one is a lot of companies run on very lean workforce. Right. Um, obviously, we don't have a lot of extra people around that have time to do these implementations. And so a lot of folks are doing double duty when we do have implementations to move forward with, um, which means they're working excessive hours doing their current job, um, which isn't the most 
uh, opportune way to be doing the business process because they are making um, manual um, improvements to the exceptions that the software may not offer them or the workarounds that they're having to do because they haven't been able to um, trust what what has been implemented um, because they haven't had the time to move forward. And also there's a lot of project burnout and a lot of fear um, based on the fact that some of the implementations they did in the past were really burdensome and, and had a lot of value leakage and trying to prove the ROI to spend some serious quality time and money on, you know, looking into those business processes, um, finding out what you don't know and, and making that change is, is very, um, it's, it seems like a daunting task for a lot of, a lot of companies. Um, and so moving them forward with, with the right path is, is that guidance that they need to get from a trusted partner. Very interesting. Thank you, Wendy. I'm just going to quickly go around the table and see if Dr. Heiko Hecht and Dirk Lanzer agree with Wendy on why this is happening. Why is that legacy software just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there? Why do they keep putting in the patches and the updates? Say, well, it's good enough. Heiko, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I think we all mentioned uh, very good uh, topics here. I think it's also a, a lack of transparency. Um, you know, we, we don't know exactly what we don't know. Um, so we, we probably, you know, need to take a look at those systems that were implemented 20 years ago. People have moved on. They left the company. You know, maybe we had uh, external uh, help, you know, to implement those uh, appliances. And uh, we need to take an, a fresh look. Uh, you know, I mean, all those topics, you know, like design thinking, for example, um, and new technology uh, like blockchain, all of that, you know, um, need to be um, considered, you know, looking at what we have right now. Thank you. Dirk, your thoughts on that, please? Yeah, so when large IT systems were implemented 20 years ago, uh, a project duration could be two years, two years, even five mm-hmm. years until full functionality was unlocked or available to the users. And uh, not that people liked it back then, but it was tolerable. Today, everybody's afraid that this can repeat, right? Nobody has an appetite for these long project durations. Nobody, because you know if you're the CIO and you're starting this journey and in the end you're ending up at a one, two, three year long project, you're going to be fired. You, you, you will lose your job. And that's not a question. It, that's, that's pretty much a given. So hence people are very risk averse and trying to avoid to, to, be, in this, to be in this situation or be, to be put on the spot. And uh, I think that plays a big role. The other thing is, of course, Wall Street is demanding numbers, so it, it's not it's not easy for the companies who are reporting to Wall Street. They the numbers have to fit. They have to make their numbers, otherwise, uh, major changes will come down the road. And then you you have the competition, right? At this point, where you say. Hey, somebody comes in as a new competition, and I have seen this coming. Amazon is uh, going to buy Whole Foods. I mean, that puts a totally new playing field uh, out for the uh, for the retailers, right? And considering that Amazon has access to almost unlimited and cheap capital, they can make moves a lot of other companies can't. Very interesting. Thank you very much, Wendy. I think we started a good thread here. I'm going to move on to some topics from Dirk Lonzer's uh, notes he sent me before the show. We have two places to go here, Dirk. I'm going to let you pick. We can talk either about the role of IT in a digital transformation. I think we sort of dipped our toe in that 
part of the pool, or how to start a digital transformation. Maybe the two go together. Dirk, you want to uh, link those for me and give us a little insight, please? Yeah, so where do we, exactly, where where do you start and where is the IT, what kind of role does the IT play? So I said earlier, or I said a few minutes ago, that um, people are risk-averse. Nobody has, I know, let's say 100 or $200 million uh, available to, to do this. Nobody has the time to do it. So um, how, and, and companies, a lot of large companies, they are spending probably 70, 80% of their IT budget to run and maintain the, the existing uh, landscape. Maybe it's even more than that. So companies will have to start thinking about running their IT at different speeds. So you have your systems of record. And uh, they have to they have to truck along. They have to move along. They they will have to continue in the future. Uh, however, companies should think about okay, what where can I improve? Where can I implement or introduce new systems into the landscape which solve um, problems or which yeah which solve problems I'm facing business problems I'm facing. For example, customer interaction, where I can be very agile and nimble and uh, respond to, to customers. So that, that's one thing where you have to think about, how do I get the IT moving at different speeds? And um, where, where does it start? In the end, it starts with the senior leadership team on business and IT. Uh, a lot of companies or some companies have introduced um, a chief digital officer who has mm-hmm. this task. It can be the CIO, it can be the CTO, uh, but, but it has to come from the senior leadership, and then it has to go down. Very interesting, and that goes back to one of my early questions around the start of the show when I asked whose job is it to notice that this needs to be done? Where does it sit? And it sounds like very much top-down. Thank you, Dirk. Wendy, love to get your thoughts on this, please. Yeah, so I would agree with uh, with Dirk um, with exactly what he's saying, and I think that it's it's very important to align the business and IT needs as you're moving forward with starting this digital transformation. Um, you know, it's tools are tools, right? But you really do need to understand the process and get guidance from you know appropriate uh, partners that can help you redefine your business processes. I think that that's equally important to the actual technical side of this. Um, We often see, um, you know, businesses that will bring in new technology only to customize it to what they're already doing today, and and that's not really working for them. So I think there's equal value in, in implementing the solutions in addition to really using the business to reevaluate and move forward with it from the actual business transformation also. Thank you, Wendy. Dr. Heiko Heck, love to get your thoughts on this. Agree, disagree? Want to add some new flavor to this? Yeah, you know, I, I, I would like to emphasize on a couple of items. Um, and, um, and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's going a little bit back to the quotes, right? Um, as well, data, 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 and, you know, doing the same things over and over again. Um, I think having an outside look into your company, into your processes, um, always helps, you know, because, uh, you know, I mean, while people are changing jobs, you know, um, a lot of people in the IT area, they work for a company for 10, 15 years, you know, they're doing the same thing for 10, 15 years, um, pretty much. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's good, you know, to get an um, outside look um, onto the systems. And, um, you know, if you think about it, 
I would say, you know, the last 30 years or so, uh, what have companies been doing? Well, you know, they implemented standard software. Um, they didn't mm-hmm. program their own software anymore because, you know, the standard software is, is uh, less expensive. It, it offers more functionality. Um, so I think, you know, um, thinking about that concept, we should use the standard software as it is. Don't customize it too much. Um, you know, really um, be very uh, frugal on that. And, oh, you know, I need this report, and that report always had, you know, this icon on the top left, you know, and it needs to look exactly the same. In the end, you know, it doesn't matter uh, that much, you know. So use the software out of the box as much as you can, it, and then you will be faster, like Dirk uh, indicated. Um, you cannot be fast with custom software, um, You know, nobody will negate that. Um, And if you customize the standard software, you cannot be fast either. So utilizing standard functionality um, is is probably the better approach there. Thank you very much. And let's see. uh, Go ahead, Wendy. I heard you. Oh, yeah, this is Wendy. And I just would like to add to what Heiko said around, um, you know, trying to stay within the the boundaries of of the standardization of the software. A lot of companies are industry-specific in their software um, applications. And so when you have companies that are offering that, they've really listened to what that business industry is, the needs are, and they've been working to improve the process within the solutions. And so that's really a good guidance for a lot of companies to start taking a look at. Um, you know, and, and also, they've improved the way that they are helping do upgrades in a more uh, organized and and, and more rapid fashion with smaller upgrades and updates, um, especially for cloud solutions, which also is another opportunity to try and stay within that, the the least customization, because then you're getting the newer, better functionality um, with those upgrades and simplified upgrades, which also decreases your TCO, your total cost of operations. Um, so there's there's a lot of things to be said around around really taking a good hard look at that as you're moving forward. Thank you. And Wendy, while I have you, I'm ready to move on. We have about uh, seven minutes till we go to our predictions crystal ball lightning round at the end of the show. Wendy, you sent me before the show some interesting statistics, some charts about what the value of the ROI is in doing this, about the realities of value leakage. You want to cite some of those stats for us, please, Wendy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, customers, when they get into these implementations, just like Dirk was saying, you know, the, the long implementations that are very um, heavy and cumbersome financially and to the business, um, uh, they often project an expected value of around 200%. But as time goes on, the ability to achieve that value decreases rapidly. Um, and so by the end of these um projects, they're really only achieving about 35 to 65% of that value realization. So that value leakage is significant. And the reasons for this is, you know, a shallow business case, um, poor focus or prioritization on building what's really important to the business, Um, you know, uh, project, project execution, really picking the right partners to help guide you. You're not supposed to be a specialist in implementation. Look to and find the right partners that are going to help you from an industry process perspective and an implementation perspective to guide you. And also benchmark with your peers. There's a lot of groups out there that you can join in your local regions where you can go and talk to other peers that have done this type of implementation. Those are huge, time-valuable 
things to do, um, and also the adoption. Um, softwares in the in the past were um, a bit more difficult for the users, and now they're really venturing towards ease of use, and you'll see this as a common thread across solutions. Um, and so that's really going to help that adoption rate. Um, but for every single year that um, that these projects go on, the cost overrun um, increases by a little over 15%. Um, and then, of course, that impacts schedule overrun because of project slippage. Um, but, uh, but um, you know, McKinsey did a really interesting um, report that, uh, you know, the average cost overrun um, for um, most projects that were in excess of $10 million was 90%. And mm-hmm. we just don't need to do that. There's, ma- there's many, many ways to avoid and mitigate this risk, um, you know, with clarity of focus, um, you know, having the right um, skill set of people in there, knowing the technology um, that you're implementing and knowing the true functionality. As Heiko had said, really, really having transparency of what what do you have today? You've lost that tribal knowledge. Go and find a way to get that 100% transparency so that as you're moving forward, you don't run into unknown roadblocks um, because of that customization that was done in the past that was necessary. Um, and, and the execution of the project, you know, really get a solid partner in there to give you guidance, um, both from a business and IT perspective, because you're a specialist in, let's say, oil and gas, or you're a specialist in consumer goods. You know, there's partners out there that are specialists in implementation of software and industry best practices. And know that finding that partner and and helping them, letting them help you and guide you in this is going to be probably the most valuable thing that you can do. Thank you, Wendy. I'm looking at your notes. You covered just about everything I was hoping you would. There's one thing I just want to focus on for a moment here on the people side. You say avoid project burnout by decreasing unnecessary workshops. What are we talking about here? There are a lot of tools and services out there that can decrease the heavy lifting on your workforce. Um, a lot of companies, as they go into the discovery phase for um, business uh, reimplementation and software reimplementation, um, they really do put a lot of, of work on the shoulders of their subject matter experts to attend all these workshops and engage in value discovery. And it's very important. Um, I'm not decreasing the importance of these workshops, but there are ways to take off that heavy lifting from them and also make sure that they aren't doing repetitive workshops. Um, Oftentimes what happens is the value discovery is repetitive um, over lengthy periods of time because maybe there was a pause in the discovery phase that, you know, they needed to get through quarter ends and then they finally got done with their financials and then they ramp back up again. They don't need to redo those workshops. There's ways that you can gather information um, using tools or, or um, you know, different partners that can help you so that you're not repeating yourself. Um, you know, and, and that seems to be a lot of the problem with the value discovery phase. From the implementation phase, really look at 
the right way to roll out value-driving projects. Um, for example, what Dirk was talking about from, you know, doing the large ERP implementation that can be lengthy, but also there's many projects that you can do. For example, your um, forecast-to-stock solutions or maybe your shop floor solutions um, that can drive value and improve inventory levels or improve your workforce planning um, that are small projects that improve value as you're moving forward with maybe your new ERP um, implementation. And so know how to get those really true valuable um, implementations without driving um, duplicate work efforts um, as you're moving forward. Um, so really proper planning, um, proper organizational change management, proper governance, and, and all that comes with, you know, finding the right partner to help you with that guidance. Um, so those are some things that we see with that, with that project burnout. Thank you, Wendy. And you take, took us right up to the cusp of our predictions round, but I want to spend just a couple of seconds with Heiko and Dirk finding out if you each agree with this very, very robust list of ways to avoid ways to avoid a problem with value leakage in your supply chain implementations. Heiko, anything you want to add quickly and then Dirk? You know, that, uh, that value uh, leakage discussion uh, reminds me of a, of a pretty funny uh, comic about project management and Bonnie, I've not, I'm not sure if you've seen it but it's, it's basically, you know, um, somebody wants a swing, you know, um, and maybe it's a wooden swing, one swing, you know, very, very simple. And then, uh, you know, the different people involved, you know, the contractor, maybe IT and whatnot, you know, they're building, uh, you know, a tire swing, and you didn't want that, or, you know, all, all kinds of different swings, uh, you know, too expensive, uh, you know, it doesn't work, it's, it's uh, too late. Um, and I think that's exactly, you know, what it is with, with value leakage, building the right things and building them right, you know, and then use them right. Um, and I think communication is, uh, is a really crucial factor there. Um, you, know, on, um, you know, organization change management, who is involved, uh, um, you know, even uh, empathy, right, uh, understanding where people are coming from and, and their needs. Um, and I think that, that is, um, you know, very, very important. Communication, communicate the benefits, you know, so all people are on board. You need management support. Nothing happens without management support, but everybody needs to pull, you know, in the same direction, and then things can be very successful. Thank you very much. Dirk, quick comments from you, and then we have to give you each 60 seconds for your prediction. Dirk? Yep. So I, I'm, my, my comment, I mean, whatever, Wendy, uh, everything Wendy said and Heiko said, 100% correct. Um, companies need to be adaptive. They need to be nimble and agile in the, the way they're executing. Uh, they need to rethink their planning cycles. Maybe an annual planning cycle for, for IT is not uh, sufficient anymore. Break it down to by a um, half year or even quarterly planning cycles, right? You want to, you want to be small and you want to be, uh, you want to be fast. There, there's no, there's no way that uh, what the business or the, the technology is changing too fast. For, for these long-term planning cycles. So I, I believe that that's, uh, that's an important thing. Thank you very and, much. And uh, look for partners yep. uh, with accelerators. Okay, now it's time for predictions. Thank you, Dr. Heiko Hecht at IBIS America. I can give you exactly 60 seconds, no more, no less. Look into the crystal ball and tell me what do you see coming down the pike, if you will, that will change significantly or dramatically on this topic, let's say between now and 2020. Is that a good time frame for you, Heiko? Go ahead. 
Sounds good, yeah. I, I will make a long-term prediction, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with a grain of salt. In the long term, we are all dead. I like that quote from, uh, uh, you know, Keynes. I go! Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, short term, uh, 2020, um, you know, it's, uh, it's about synergies. Uh, you know, everywhere we need to cooperate, we need to work together, uh, make the most out of what we have, um, you know, between you know, companies, um, you know, integrating uh, the software systems and, uh, you know, get, uh, get really the most out of our implementations and, and you know, our processes and our um, resources, our people, um, for example. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Appreciate that. Dirk Lonser at DXC Technology. I have, oh, a whole yeah. 60 seconds for you too. Go ahead, Dirk. All right. So I think we've just seen the beginning of a digital transformation wave. Um, within the next four or five years, uh, the speed will get much faster. New technologies will be um, implemented. Uh, things will be implemented which we don't even know will exist uh, exist now. So um, th th that's my prediction, and I think it's, it's time to get ready, and uh, you can't avoid it. So my, I'd say rather embrace it. I like that. Embrace it. That's a good way to look at life. Wendy Wilson, SAP, I have exactly 60 seconds for you. Go ahead, Wendy. Excellent. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, my prediction is that, you know, right now folks are really starting to use sensors and moving forward with that. And I agree with Dirk on his comment that there's a lot of things that we don't even know that will be in the future, even five years from now. But um, in a more near term, we're really seeing an uptick in things, what people are calling the Internet of Things and machine learning, um, you know, things like um, blockchain and stuff like that. So this is a very exciting time for all of this data gathering that people have been doing and, and really moving forward for them to use that data and really get even more fine-tuned into their business and into their customer needs with those, that information that they've been gathering and, and really using that for an optimal, optimal business need. Thank you very much, all. Great predictions. Appreciate it. Dr. Heiko Hecht at IBIS America. Pleasure to speak with you, Heiko. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom. Same to Dirk Lonzer at DXC Technology. Dirk, thank you so much for your time. Wendy Wilson, of course, come back any time. Pleasure, pleasure. And I have a call to action here, and it's the same as always, but I still mean it no matter how many times I say it. And a quick shout-out to Aaron for being our engineer extraordinaire today. Kevin is out. So thank you, Aaron. Pleasure to work with you again. And here's my call to action Fasten your seatbelt. Did you ever think about the supply chain that went into creating that seatbelt, metaphorically or not? I think we should all think about that, right, Wendy? What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Heiko, just like Dirk, and just like Wendy. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back in one hour and three minutes with a new episode of our The Future of Smart Cities with Game Changers. So don't miss it right here on the Business Channel. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the digital transformation of your supply chain with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.